podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday the 16th of April and we're brought to you by epillindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix if you want to do that, use your now TV service outside the UK, keeps your data safe online, check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk for all your giftware and homeware needs. Right, folks, it is Friday. We've got a weekend of Premier League games. We actually have games every single day from tonight until Monday week. There is a Premier League game taking place every single night for the next nine days. So that's really nice. Um, it's 10 days, isn't it? It could be 10 days. Who knows? Um, last night, we had some Europa League action. Arsenal went to Slavia Prague and beat them 4-0. Very powerful image before the game of the Arsenal players, in particular, Alexander Lacazette, taking a knee in front of the Slavia players who stood arms linked in front of them. This comes off the back of a Slavia player, obviously been suspended for 10 days, sorry, 10 games for racially abusing Glenn, uh, Glenn Kamara of Rangers. Big statement by Arsenal, big statement victory by Arsenal. Probably their best performance of the season. Lacazette with two goals, Saka with a goal, Nicolas Pepe with a goal. Nicolas Pepe has looked so much better when played on the left wing than on the right wing. They've simplified this game. And with Smith, Rowe and Saka pulling the strings, making things happen for them, he's freed to just be a goal threat off the left. Lacazette looked very good through the middle. Arsenal looked very good on the whole. And Slavia Prague are out after knocking out Leicester and knocking out Rangers. They are out at the hands of Arsenal. So Arsenal move on to the semi-final where they will face a familiar foe. Uh, Villarreal, managed by former Arsenal boss Unai Emery. They overcame Dinamo Zagreb 2-1 last night, 3-1 in aggregate. So that will be one of the semi-finals. And in the other semi-final, Manchester United, who beat Granada 2-0 to go through 4-0 in aggregate, will take on Roma, who overcame Ajax 3-2 in aggregate. So those are the semi-finals. United-Roma, Arsenal-Villarreal. United will be at home in the first leg. Arsenal will be away. Those games take place the 29th of April and the 6th of May, first and second leg. We could well get an all-English tie in the final. We could also get an all-English Champions League final. As we know, City will play PSG. Chelsea will play Real Madrid. We could well get two all-English finals, which would be a massive thing for English football. We've seen 
Italian clubs have that in the past. We've seen Spanish clubs have it in the past. It's never happened with English clubs where all four finalists in the one year have been from England. So this could be huge. Um, and best of luck to each of the clubs in their respective semi-finals. Right. Uh, as it's Friday, we have Guy Drinkle here. How are you, sir? Yep, I just ignored all that European football stuff because it doesn't matter, Dave. <laughs> You're not bitter at all about Wednesday night, are you? No, not at all. I mean, last no. Tuesday, yeah, I'm still better about that one. <laughs> yeah, the, the first leg hurt, the second leg was sort of... I was, um, not, I was just not bothered. <laughs> yeah, we, we just sort of knew that that was going to be the way of that game. Um, right, we have we have games. We have six games to talk about, one tonight, two tomorrow, two Sunday, and one on Monday. There are then games, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So a game every single day from tonight up until the 26th, which I'm actually, I believe is actually 11 days. Um, my maths is just not not up to We're scratch. We're here to talk about football, not maths, Dave. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are, uh, we're only doing the six, aren't we? Because this would be a 12-hour podcast if we did all them days. Exactly, and we've got we've got Bielsa versus Klopp, so that's going to oh, take God, a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, right, what's the first game? Yeah, we have Bielsa versus Klopp, but we also have... I almost forgot who Everton's manager was there. Ancelotti v Mourinho in... And I say this completely as a Liverpool fan. The team's bottling the top four race the most? Yes, absolutely. The two teams that are disappointing the most. Now, Everton, you can give a bit of a pass to because they have had some really bad luck with injuries. Alan has missed a bunch of time. Hamas has missed a bunch of time. Calvert-Lewin's had some problems. Dinia missed like two months. Pickford is out, but that's probably a, a plus for them. Not, um, all bad, not all bad news. Now, Everton's form has been sketchy. They're without a win in their last four games. They've only won three of their last ten. Um, some disappointing results of late, particularly at home. Their home form has not been good enough. They lost at home to Fulham. They lost at home to Man City, but you'll allow that. They beat Southampton at home. They lost at home to Burnley. And then they drew at home to Crystal Palace. Now, they have done a bit better against good teams. At Goodison, for example, they beat Chelsea. They beat Arsenal. They got a draw with Liverpool. So they have done a little bit better. They also beat Tottenham at Tottenham on the opening day of the season. Spurs, one win in four, four in the last ten, sorry, five wins in the last ten, which is substantially better than Everton, but still not good enough to make up for the bad run they had between mid-December and sort of late February from when they beat Arsenal 2-0 on the 6th of December up until when they beat Burnley on the uh, 28th of December. They only won twenty eighth of February, rather. They only won three games in that time, while losing seven uh, and drawing three. So that's that wasn't a good run of form at all. That really hit them because they were first and then second in the league up until that point in in uh, December. By the time they came out of that funk, they'd slipped right down the league. Uh, they've kind of bounced back a little bit. They are in seventh. They're not. All that far off. They're three points behind Liverpool. 
six behind West uh, West Ham, who are fourth. So Champions League's not completely out of the picture, but it doesn't look good for them. Everton are a point further back, but they do have a game in hand against Aston Villa. Going into the season, it felt like Everton were a team that could make Europa League. Spurs were a team that should have made Champions League. Now it looks like neither will make any European competition for next year, unless Spurs maybe scrape into the Conference League, uh, which nobody wants. Now, going into this game, Everton have quite a few players who are ruled out. They've got Decore out, Mina out, Gabamon out, Delph out, Bernard out, and then Calvert-Lewin will have a late fitness test. But Alan, Gomez, King and Pickford should all be back, should at least make the matchday squad, whether they're ready to start or not, I don't know, but they should all be back and available. For Spurs... Ben Davies and Matt Doherty are out. That's the backup fullbacks. So no starters missing. Therefore, no excuses. No excuses for Spurs in this game. Spurs have to win this game. I think they will win this game. I'm going to say Spurs 2-0 over Everton. It'd probably be the most Spursy thing ever to lose it to that injury hit Everton team, though, wouldn't it? Very much so. Very, very much so. Roy Keane said it correctly. Everton are, or Tottenham are soft. I think when Alan plays, he gives a real edge to that Everton team. Richarlison, we know, gives them a bit of an edge. I think Michael Keane is quite a tough character at centre-back. I think through their spine, they've got a bit more about them in terms of the dark arts of the game than Tottenham do. But Tottenham do have more quality, and I'm I'm backing the quality to overcome in this game. Yeah, I mean, the form of Harry Kane alone it gives him a chance in any game, doesn't it? So, yeah, Spurs have to win it, really. I think Everton, them injuries you read, that's pretty much most of the team and most of the backup. So, yeah, I can see I can see where they're struggling. Uh, that's on Sky tonight, if you're listening to that. Um, uh, over on to Saturday... Um, a clash from bottom and top of the table as West Ham travel to Newcastle. Um, Newcastle with, with a couple of players back, does that make them a, a completely different talking point? Because, I mean, we saw the impact of Sam Maximan in, in particular last week against Burnley, I think it was. Um, and, and West Ham, albeit the, the run continues, but the injuries are piling up for them. The injuries are very much piling up. So this is fourth from top versus fourth from bottom. These teams also met on the opening day of the season. And Newcastle won that game 2-0. And at that point, I said after that game, I think West Ham are in major trouble. Because the run of games they had coming after that was fairly horrendous. They had Arsenal away, Wolves, who I thought would be much better this year, Leicester, Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool. I looked at that and thought, there's no points there for them. There's maybe a draw, but there's no wins there. They would come out of it with two wins, two draws, and two defeats in the six games after that Newcastle game. So that got them started. They've been very good since. They have overperformed. I don't think anyone would suggest otherwise, but David Moyes has done a brilliant job for them. Unfortunately, injuries are hitting them at the, the worst possible time. This weekend, Noble is a doubt. Cresswell is a major doubt. Antonio is out. Rice is out. Yarmolenko is expected to miss out. 
Randolph is out, Ogbonna is out, and Lanzini is a major doubt. So that's a lot of players. That is largely their spine. Ogbonna at centre-back, Rice in midfield, and um, Antonio up front. And then like most of their depth in attack in terms of Lanzini and Yarmolenko. And then Cresswell, who's played pretty much all season for them at left-back. Mark Noble, who would be the stand-in for Declan Rice, if he's out as well, who mm-hmm. plays in midfield. So, yeah, injuries hitting them at the wrong time. The tune, I mean, I suppose you could describe it as form. They've only lost one of their last six. Now, they've only won one of the last six as well. That was last time out. A good come-from-behind win over Burnley. Four draws. They've inched their way towards safety. They have um, opened up a six-point gap on Fulham. They do have a game in hand on Fulham as well. Their goal differences are about the same. So if they can continue to pick up points along the way, Fulham have a difficult run in. All Newcastle have to do is make sure they're more than three points clear of Fulham on the final day. That's all they have to do. Mm -hmm. Maintain a four-point lead, get into that final day when they play Fulham. And they're fine. With the injuries West Ham have, I think Newcastle get a point here. St. Maximum looked great against Burnley. Wilson is back. In terms of injuries for Newcastle, Frazier, Lachelles, Shar, and Hayden are out. Now, they'll miss Hayden in midfield. He's their best ball winner. They'll miss Lachelles, their captain and best centre-back. But I think they can overcome those things. They've got good depth in midfield with the long staffs in Shelby and Joe Willocken on loan. They've got decent enough options at centre-back, even without Lachelles and Shar. I think they'll be okay. No Antonio. They'll have to cope with the form of Jesse Lingard, obviously. And Jared Bowen has looked much better in the last couple of weeks as well. But I still think Newcastle can get a draw in this game. It's a lot to ask West Ham with all those players to overcome that amount of that amount of injury. So I'll go with a one-one draw, uh, tune to get a point and edge the way t- towards safety. I mean, if Noble's out, I mean, could we see off the top of my head, Fornells go back in the midfield? That's where he used to play for Villarreal, was it? It was. That's the thing. But it's, the question is whether Moyes likes to have that kind of two defensive midfield pairing, Mm. which gives him both safety at the back, but also gives them the platform to play off and go forward. It allows the sort of the three behind the one to attack the fullbacks to get forward. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Fredericks moves into midfield. He's not, not the best footballer in the world. He's a bit rudimentary, but he's a decent ball winner. He's got lots and lots of energy. Mm. He's, he's got a toughness to him as well. He won't be overawed by the by the situation. He wouldn't be the ideal pick, mm. but if Moyes is looking for solidity, that's probably who he goes with. If he wants to go with a little bit more flair, then absolutely you go Pablo Fornals. Ben Rama um, up front as well. He can play Ben Rama. He, he, he could draft in Connor, uh, Connor Coventry, the young Irish midfielder, but I, I don't think he'll do that. <laughs> There's nobody, they don't really have a centre-back, bar maybe Balbuena, that you would put into midfield. And even with that, Balbuena 
he'd be liable to get sent off. Mm. But he's got at least the, the mobility to play in midfield and do somewhat of a half-decent <laughs> job. But I, I reckon Ryan Fredericks might find himself in, in midfield. Yeah, I mean, if, if it is 4-0, it could be an open-as-hell game. If... if it's 4 nils, yeah, it'll be a really fun game to watch because he's he's a bit of a passenger defensively, but he's mm. super, super talented on the ball. He's got great vision. He's really aggressive in getting the ball forward. He wants the team to play on the front foot. He's had a good season. Yeah, um, yeah. If so, you yeah, thought I'd probably get binned off by him, but he's established himself, hasn't he? He has, very much so. Whereas, you know, others have come and gone. He's been one that Moyes originally didn't seem keen on, mm. but has now got him in the team and and got him playing really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Dave, will there be more than one goal in this next year? Wolves v Sheffield United. There may well be, but largely down to the ineptitude of Sheffield United's defence. They have lost eight of their last nine. They've conceded at least two goals in all bar one of those eight defeats and in all bar two of their last nine games. So that defence could leave Wolves with opportunities. Now, Wolves aren't big-time scorers. We know that. They've only scored once, sorry, more than once in one of their last seven games. Mm. And they actually lost that game to <laughs> West Ham. Um, no Neto as well. Wolves have, yeah, Wolves have struggled for goals this season. Only 31 goals scored in 31 games. You never want to be hovering around one goal scored per game. One goal conceded per game, you'd be happy enough. One goal scored per game is never going to do it for you. They're 12th. It's a disappointing 12th for them. They will definitely have had ambitions of, of finishing much higher. They're six points behind Villa, who have a game in hand, and seven behind Leeds and Arsenal. So it does look like 12th is probably about where Wolves are going to finish unless they drop a little bit. This, for me, has to be a win. This is a very, very winnable game. Now, massive blow in the week with the injury to Pedro Neto, and it looks mm. like he could be done for quite a while. If it, it's a it's a patella injury, if it's the patella tendon, that could be career altering for him. Ruben Neves is also out. He's got COVID. Mark Hall has been ruled out for months now. Jimenez obviously remains out. Slow progress. Almost certainly not going to play again this season. Johnny Otto is out, and Willie Bolly is expected to miss out because he's coming back from COVID. So. It's it's a rough situation for them injury-wise. Sheffield United, no Sander Berger. He's hopefully back in about two weeks. Mm. Chris, Chris Basham could be back for this one, but it looks a bit like it might come a bit too early. McBurney, Robinson, O'Connell and Sharp all ruled out, most of them for the rest of the season. Um, you know, with the injuries that Wolves have, they should like they should still win the game. Sheffield United are awful. They really are awful. Mm-hmm. They've lost twenty five games this season. The record for a Premier League season is twenty nine. And when you see what they've got coming up, they've got Wolves, then Brighton, Tottenham, Palace, Everton, Newcastle, Burnley. 
I, I do think there's definitely four defeats among them seven games. So that I expect them to tie that that record for the most defeats in the Premier League season, if not overtake it. I think they'll lose this game. On the road at Wolves, I, I think they'll lose this game. I think Wolves will just about have enough, even with the injuries. I don't see anyone in that Sheffield United team that's going to really enjoy trying to mark Adama. I think we'll see more of a Tanya between now and the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Pedence is back in the team. I'll go Wolves to win 2-1. Yeah, I mean, without net, I mean, Pedence, is he more, he's probably more naturally a left winger, if anything, isn't he? Rather than a 10. Yeah, he, 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 does, he does tend to play a bit more from the left. Like, he's one of those... Like he's not like an inside forward. He's mm. he's 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 a weird player. He plays he plays in the half space. He plays from the left, but he wants to be a ten. Coutinho. And when he plays as a ten, he wants to be left wing. A little bit like a yeah, like a like a bargain bin Coutinho, yeah. like like a Jack Grealish type. Mm-hmm. That's the, the probably the comp in the yeah. league right now is a is a Jack Grealish type. He'll play on the left of a front three, but he's not going to play. As an, a, like a, a a winger or a burner, he's not going to try and run in behind. He's going to drop back in, pick the ball up from the midfield, and then look to create things. I, I think Pedence is, is probably going to be the player who benefits most from Neto's injury. I think you'll mm-hmm. see an awful lot more of the ball uh, because, like, who else do they have? It's going to be Pedence. He's going to look to find Adama. And then they're going to hope that William Jose and Fabio Silva can grab some goals between them to end the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they find enough centre backs, I think it kind of makes sense if Ryan Aitnuri, I'm going to go with, <laughs> if if he provides the width and um, Pedent can provide what, playmaking from that side as well. So it probably makes sense or could fit together quite nicely. Uh, you mentioned Sheffield United's injuries there. I mean, they have to play Brewster Moussa, you presume? You'd ha- well, it, it'll either be. Brewster and Massette or Brewster and McGoldrick, I think. They're the only... Oh, yeah, McGoldrick, yeah. Well, the only thing is, the manager's Pink not very good. And he may well go with Ollie Burke up front, who... Nah. I mean, he hasn't scored many goals this season. He hasn't done much that's been good. But he does seem to like to play a couple of brutes up front, so he might do that. Burke's pace against Connor Cody could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one way to hurt him, but... It's... Just, just use Bruce. <laughs> like Ollie Burke is basically the B Tech Adama, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. But same without... kind of build, same kind of skill set, even less end product. <laughs> less than and, one and less goal there. a season. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. But yeah, it's uh, they've got to start using the players they're going to use in the championship, haven't they? But anyway, that will probably be a bit boring that game. Um. Now, on to Sunday. Uh, I think all, all the games are on Sky Sports this weekend. So, yeah. Yes, they are. Um, but on to Sunday, Arsenal v Fulham. Now, Dave, I have a theory. I think Fulham could win this because there is no way they're getting out the relegation zone. So, the pressure is off. So, they'll probably end up winning and then screw up next week. That's a fair point. That has basically been the march of their season. Um... Did you know that Fulham have only spent four weeks of the season outside the bottom three? They have been in 18th position since early December. Good God. 
They've just been in 18th in, in, in purgatory the whole time. Not dropped to 19th, not got out into 17th, just 18th the whole way. Um, the, the thing is, with, with Fulham, right, we, we saw all the journalists, the usual suspects, rush to congratulate Scott Parker on their, on their great run of form after they lost to Man City on the 5th of December, right? The next 17 games, they only lost four. Up until that point, they'd lost eight. They lost eight of their first 11 games. But in the next 17, they only lost four. And and the usual suspect journalists rushed to talk about how Scott Parker could be manager of the season, right? Because they'd only lost four games out of 17. They failed to mention the fact that never once in that run did they move outside the top of the, the bottom three and that they only won three games in that 17-run spell. All they won was three games. They beat Everton, they beat Sheffield United, and then they beat Liverpool. Because, uh, of course, they beat Liverpool. Well, yeah, but um, they drew just far too many games. Ten draws, it, games they should have won, inept management... And it's all fallen apart now. They've lost their last four in a row. They've looked really, really poor in the last three games. Parker's way out of his depth, like way, way out of his depth. But so is the fellow in the opposite dugout. Mm. And uh, Mikel Arteta is, is out of his depth. It's too big a job. Great result in Europe, but the Premier League has just gone really poorly for him. I said this on social media yesterday. Whatever Arsenal do over the next five years, whether it's change the manager, change the sporting director, sell off, you know, the silverware, get rid of all the players. The one thing they need to do, they need to ensure that they do, is whatever the plan is moving forward, it has to be centered around Bakaya Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe. Those two are absolute gems. Any club in England would take them. Any club. City would take both of them. City would love to get Saka and play him as a winger. They might even try and turn him into a fullback. They take Smith Rowe and they'd be like, right, you're going into the lab. And when you come back out, Kevin De Bruyne is going to be 33. <laughs> and then you'll just take his place in the team. And that's it. Um Arsenal need to build around those two. They are sensational. Now, their league form has picked up a little bit. They have won three of six, only one defeat in the last six. Um, Four wins of the last eight and only two defeats. So the league form has picked up a little bit after that little slump where they lost to Wolves and then Villa. They need defeats since City and then Liverpool comprehensively outplayed them. Going into this game, they've got no David Luiz. He had a, a, knee, a knee surgery. Not a bad thing to be missing him. Odegaard, he'll be out for a couple more weeks. Aubameyang has malaria. He could make it back in time, but they'll probably hold him back it's another not week. Miss, is it? Let's be honest. No, not this season anyway. No, and then here, better up front, and the youngsters are better on the wing. That's the thing, and like with the with the way Pepe plays on the left wing, just mm. play him. Uh, he gives you a bit more natural width as well. Whereas if you've got Saka. And Aubameyang, they're both going to come in field. They're, you're not getting any width from either of them. Mm. Um, and then Kieran Tierney will be out as well. And he is a big blow because he's the best defender. and yeah. he's, he's, I know the, he, he's the real captain of the team. 
you can tell someone when they when they walk on the pitch, you can just tell someone's a real captain, and, and that guy is a real captain. Did Jacka play um, left back last night as well? Jacka played left back, yeah. So yeah. if if Parker has any sense, he'll play Cavaliero on the right wing and just tell him every time you get the ball, run at him, torment him. Uh, Fulham, Luckman is out, Roddick is out. The guy's had a finger injury for about six years. And Tom Kearney's out, but he hasn't played all season, really. Um, they could both, like, like if we just stay, focus on Fulham, if, for some reason he's not playing Zambo, unless he's done something that's not came out in the public yet, it makes no sense football-wise, unless he's, like, done something bad in training. But mm. if we, we don't know about it, so we can't talk about it. But if they play Zambo, Lamina and Reed as a free, that will bully any midfield Arsenal put out. Yes, because there's only one Thomas Partey. Yeah. And he can only stand up to one of and them. And it'll be Sabios next to him. It will. It'll be Sabios who is a shrinking violet and will disappear at the first sign of, of physicality. Um The problem is he's going to try he, he he's he's almost certainly going to leave Zambo out again because whatever whatever has happened I don't know. But Zambo was their best player all season long. And then he's dropped him, and now they've lost four in a row. So I, I really don't understand what Scott Parker is doing. I don't think he knows what he's doing either, to be honest. And I think if the ownership were actually focused on the football club rather than on their NFL franchise and their wrestling company, I, I do think Scott Parker would probably be out the gap by now. Um for me, going in, going to play Arsenal, you're exactly right. You want to go as physical as possible. I'd actually go one more. I'd play a diamond. Mm. I'd play Harrison as the holder, because mm-hmm. I think he's best in that role. Lamina and Zambo then as your sort of box-to-box engine. And Loftus-Cheek as a 10. Now, I know he hasn't been good this season. I've talked about that in, in recent days. But physicality, height, aerial ability, power... Decent pace. Again, run off the back of that Arsenal midfield. There's only one Thomas Partey. He can't take care of everything himself. Sabios, I mean, you, the bus could go by him and he wouldn't notice. <laughs> He's that oblivious off the ball. Uh, the centre-backs... Batted, Milner battered these two weeks ago. Yes. Yes, he did. James Milner kicked, kicked the Arsenal midfield off the pitch. Um, I think... I think a smart manager goes as physical as possible against Arsenal and just tries to outwork them. You don't have Luckman, so you don't have pace. But I would go, those two that I'd play, um, Cavaliero mm-hmm. as one of my front two. But I would tell him, go and hang on the right wing. And every time you get that ball, I want you running at Granite Jacket. Because he's slow-footed and he's not the brightest player in the world. He will make mistakes. He will lunge in on you. And when you get him on a yellow card, double down. Everything's going back through you. Because he will... Granite Jacket is one of the few players that doesn't seem to understand what the concept of the yellow card is. (laughs) Like, he doesn't really realize if I'm on a yellow card and I foul again, I could get sent off. So he will just do the same dumb stuff game after game. And then up front, I think you go with Mitrovic because I think you want to bully against them. Mm. You have Madja ready to come off the bench if you need a goal late on. But you send the full backs forward. 
you try and just run them down in midfield and bully them up front. Uh, yeah, mm. I, I think that is the, the way for Fulham in this game. Are we looking at Holden, Gabriel, or is... Uh, Holden and, Holden and Pablo Mari, probably. I mean, Holden, uh, for being Nat Phillips Jr., was, I don't know how that He's works a out. much better player than Nat Phillips. Now, he he is, but, I mean, he got beaten in the air by Jota the other week. He's yes. clearly not that good positionally. No, he's not. He's... he's he, He's a bang average centre back. He 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 is. He's he's a fine fourth or fifth centre back for a Premier League team with top half ambitions. Um, he shouldn't be starting. They gave him a new contract recently as well, mm. a three and a half year deal. Um, it is funny though that you do mention Nathaniel uh, Dan Kennett's son Phillips. Because they were together at uh, Bolton, Rob Holding and Nat Phillips, mm. um, up until 2016. They actually both left in the same year. They were at the academy for much of the same time. Holding is about 18 months older, so he would have been a year at a kind of an age group up. But yeah, they, they were there together. Um, and and like the one point... <laughs> Likely one point seen as as the future, the future centre back pairing of 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 Bolton, and you know it may well happen one day. What could, what could have been? It may well happen one day. All all the headers, League One, all, League One's not ready. All the headers and all the fouls and all the positional mistakes. Oh, you couldn't ask for more. Um, Arsenal Fulham played on the first day of the season. Arsenal won three 0 I don't think Parker will go with what we've said. I think he'll mm. go four two three one. Yep. He'll do something silly. Kenny take the right wing. Let Zaka off the hook. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, pretty much. Or he'll go with a back five yeah. or something stupid. Um he, he won't he won't try and he won't try and counter Arsenal's weaknesses. He will play from a position of fear to try and nullify Arsenal's threat. And that's just gonna let Arsenal have the run of the game. Arsenal at home, 3 0 win. I mean, yeah, I remember that game. William looked like a smart beast of business, and then it wasn't. And then it all fell apart. Yeah, it's, uh, the wheels came off that bus <laughs> real quick. Yeah. What was it? Two assists and a goal. I think that was it for the season, wasn't it? Oh, dear. But we'll move on. Um, United v Burnley. Um, obviously, United had their European commitments. Uh, I, can't, I don't even know who started for the midweek. Um, but Burnley... Uh, I always see them... on By reputation, you probably think they're annoying at some of these big teams, but I, I can't remember who it was, but I'm sure on Twitter someone said they really don't. They just tend to get back. Yeah, their record against the top six is poor. Apart from Liverpool. In particular, at home. <laughs> their mm. home record against the top six is really bad. So... Here's the thing for you. Everton played Tottenham open day of the season. Newcastle played West Ham open day of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolves played Sheffield United open day. Um, Arsenal played Fulham open day. Leeds played Liverpool open day. Do you want to guess when United played Burnley? I know it wasn't opening day. Because it was meant to be, but the European... It was meant European, to be opening day. Yeah. The European yeah, thing screwed. In Europe. But it was like, it got, it was like December or something, wasn't it? It was, it was. They played in January, actually. And United won 1-0 with uh, 
a deflected Paul Pogba goal. Well, of course which, it was. <laughs> which was then to, to let us all know that Pogba was back and was the best midfield player in the world, despite the fact mm. he was largely poor in that game. Yeah. Um, and it was Burnley away. Yeah, Burnley, disappointing season, obviously. They're, they're 16th. They're seven points off the relegation zone. It won't have been what they envisioned, envisaged for themselves this year. They knew they were going to have a drop-off, though. They finished top half last year, didn't spend any money. They knew they were going to drop a little bit. Don't think they thought they'd drop this far, but they've had a lot of injuries. They've been really disappointing in the last two games. They went 2-0 up on Southampton, threw it away and lost. Went 1-0 up on Newcastle, threw it away and lost. Those two defeats, a little bit costly for them. If they'd won both of those games from the positions of strength they had, they'd be safe by now. As it is, they still have to sweat a little bit. Um, United in the week went with De Gea, Wan-Bissaka, Tunzebi, Lindelof and Tellez, Fred and Matic, Greenwood, Fernandez, Pogba and Cavani. I don't imagine we see a team like that. I think what we'll probably see is Henderson back in goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindelof and Maguire with Shaw. Juan Bissak will probably stay in the team. Um, he might start... He'll start... For, I think Fred and McTominay will be in midfield. Bruno will be in the Bruno role. And then I think he'll go Rashford. He's a late fitness check, I think. He is a late fitness check, isn't he? Let's see. Who's out for United? Rashford. Baye. Martial is out, and of course Phil Jones uh, permanently out. Um, I think if Rashford's fit, he'll play him because he just does play him all the time. If any good player for United is half fit, they play. <laughs> that is pretty it. much pretty much. Ollie Ollie it doesn't really care about seem to care about the long term future of the, of the players. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he went with the same front four but with Rashford in for Pogba, and if Rashford isn't isn't ready. Then he'll just play Pogba, but he'll bring McTominay back into midfield. If you can't play he'll bring Pogba Slab in midfield against in. Burnley, though, hmm? if you can't play Pogba in actual midfield against Burnley, what what is the point? I don't know, but what we're to what we are to know is that he's the best central midfield player <laughs> in the world ever. Mm. The best central midfield player who doesn't play in central midfield. I mean, they were playing Granada, and he was playing left wing. When they 2-0 up? Granada. Yeah, 2-0 up, mid-table Spanish team, and and he's you know, Maxime Gonolins in midfield. Not exactly, you know, a dynamic player at this point in his career, uh, but Pogba was, was shunted out to the left wing. Um I think United should win this game. I mean, they're in they're in good form. They haven't lost since the twenty seventh of January. Their home form has been sketchy this season. All four defeats at home, a um, couple of disappointing draws at home as well. But they should win this game. I mean, they they really should win mm-hmm. this game. Burnley, not particularly good. They've only won four times since the turn of the year. They've only won once since mm-hmm. the middle of February. Yeah, I think I think United should win this game fairly comfortably. Injury wise, Burnley, no uh, Pope is a doubt. 
Jay Rodriguez is a doubt. Kevin Long is out. Robbie Brady's out. Ashley Barnes is out. I, I do want to see just a big aerial duel between um, <laughs> Chris Wood and, and Slabhead. Uh, my my tactical advice to Mr. Dyche would just be pump it long to the big fella. And and let's just see what happens because... Um, I don't think he needs tempting to do that. <laughs> no, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. But Maguire has not looked... Maguire hasn't looked fully fit of late. And he doesn't look like he gets off the ground as well as he normally does to contest mm. aerials. Chris Wood actually has played really well in the yeah. last two games. So has Mattia Vidra. Mm. So I think Burnley might score. United will win. I'll go United 3-1. Yeah, I can certainly see that. I can certainly see that. Uh, and on to the, well, last, let's say this weekend, last game of this weekend. Um, on Monday, potential birthday ruiner for me, Leeds-Liverpool. Um, I, we'll start with Liverpool for once. Dave on on Twitter, I, I I put this point out. Like we can still Liverpool can still obviously get top four, but we're not favourites for it. And I want to see from Liverpool for the rest of the season is the is part of the squads that because we are due a rebuild or a refresh. Mm. I think we need to see which players can be part of the rebuild slash refresh. So I I want to see more of your Oxlade Chamberlains, your Naby Keiters. Simicast, even like not from a sell or keep perspective, but even Curtis Jones, what role can he play next season? I, I want to see more of these players because, like, we know Ginny's leaving, Milner's getting on, Henderson's injury prone, Fabinho seems to miss a month or two every season. So, we we need to answer these questions about the squad in midfield and Simicast. We need to know if he exists. Simicus would have played a lot more this season if Virgil had been fit. I, I'm I'm convinced of that. I just don't think uh I don't think Klopp was willing to just throw him in with kind of inexperienced centre backs. Um and um, when you're missing both of your first choice centre backs, in fact all three of your first choice centre backs, you kind of have to overplay your full backs just to have some sort of continuity in there. I agree with you in midfield. Um, I, I think we need to see what Ox can do. We need to see what Naby can do. If they are fit, why not play them? Um, Ginny's going to leave. Milner he's has four good games a season. He's probably had those already, so he's not going to be much use. But I think what we will see is Jurgen Klopp play cautious football, or be, or rather, rather than cautious, but be cautious with his selections mm. for the rest of the season, because. I think he has to get top four. He has to. I think. The, I think his summer budget probably depends on it. It does. But um, is there any? I know. I say this. I know you're. You're probably a bigger fan of Ginny than me. But do we really miss if we're playing Fabinho? Hopefully, Thiago. But doubts about that over the last couple of games. Thiago plus Naby or Rocks over Ginny. What? What are we missing there? Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, the the games we have left. Okay, Leeds. Newcastle, Manchester United, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, Palace. The only game you need Ginny to play the Ginny role is United. Now, you could maybe argue Leeds, but Leeds probably aren't going to dominate the ball against Liverpool. United, mm. well, to be fair, United probably won't either. United will probably <laughs> sit in and counterattack. Yeah. Now, what you could do with Ginny is play him as an attacking midfielder. And let him be national team, Ginny. 
But again, if he's leaving, mm. I, I'd rather see Arsenal. He's, he's, not done it, he's not done it for the other four or five years, has he? Why would he no. go now? No, he's done it on a handful of occasions. A handful of occasions he's used them like that. Um, I would actually like to see Curtis start with Thiago and Fabinho in midfield mm. as as a more attack-minded, almost as a 10. Um, Liverpool obviously come into this game having won three in a row in the league. They beat Wolves, they beat Arsenal, they beat Villa. Three different types of wins, all good wins. They should be fairly confident. They put in a good performance against Real in the week. It just turned out to be an unsuccessful one. This is the first time since the first three games of the season that they've won three in a row. Leeds have also won three in a row. It's the first time all season Leeds have won three in a row. They beat Fulham, Sheffield United, and then City in one of the bigger surprises of the season. And they did it with 10 men. Now, Leeds have quite a few players... Uh, out. Cooper is suspended. Mm-hmm. Forshaw's working his way back. He's been out for 18 months. They're not going to rush him. Um, Rafinha is a doubt. And Rodrigo is likely to miss out. So, important players. Cooper, uh, Rafinha and Rodrigo, important players. Liverpool, obviously, we know no Van Dijk, no Gomez, no Matip. Um, Divock Origi ruled out with a kind of an unspecified muscle injury. Queeving Kelleher ruled out with a slight abdominal tear uh, that seemed to come around the time there was rumours that he was the one leaking the team, which was a bit strange. Now, Curtis Curtis is a doubt for this game. He's obviously missed the last few. Mm-hmm. But if he's back in time, I'd like to see him at least involved, even mm-hmm. if it's just off the bench. And then Jordan Henderson is ruled out. Now, the Henderson one is weird. When when it happened, they said he'll be back after the international break. Mm. There's been absolutely nothing since except this from Klopp on March the 30th. We know it's going to be close to the end of the season. He is very optimistic about how the operation went. He is. Not the medical staff. He is very optimistic. We also know he is likely to be a bit short of match minutes in high-level games ahead of the Euros. That says to me, they don't think he's coming back this season. If he Mm. is, he might be back for the last game or two. So... It's not good, is it? I mean, he's missed a a lot. I know you've mentioned this a lot, but he always seems to have a big-ish... A couple injuries at the end of seasons. It's just the wear and tear. He is an injury-prone player, and he has been now for a couple of years. And Alex Ferguson was right when he highlighted the fact that he has that weird running gait. Go back to the 15-16 season. Hmm. It does probably stem from Brendan Rodgers overplayed him. Brendan Rodgers overplayed him in 14-15. The following season, he missed 34 games with four different injuries. Hmm. Right, in 15-16. 16 17, he missed 13 games with one injury. He missed seven games in 18 19 with two injuries. 18 19, that's sorry, that was 17 18. 18 19, again, he misses seven injuries. Sorry, seven games through four injuries. 19 20, he misses nine games through three injuries. This season, he's had five different injuries. 
So it's not ideal. Mm, I mean, sorry, sorry. It, it, sorry, what I meant to say was in in a twelve month period he had five different injuries. Yeah. He got hurt in February of twenty twenty. He got a hamstring injury away to Atletico Madrid. Right? He'd been he'd been good for four months. He gets that injury. He misses four games, comes back, plays against Atletico Madrid in the second leg of the European Cup quarterfinal. Uh, doesn't look right. Football stops. Then it restarts. He doesn't look particularly good for the first couple of games. Gets hurt again against Brighton. Misses the rest of the season. And then this season, he had a hip issue that cost him, I think, two games. He had um, another knock then in November, cost him a couple of games. And now this injury. Five injuries. I, I actually think there's one more. I think there's. I think there was a sixth. But he he has been since fifteen sixteen he has been very injury prone. But it is a concern Mo- going into the midfield because I think mean, Ginny was the only one who literally was never injured. Like as I said, Fab Fab's want to build around, but as I said, he misses two months a season nowadays. He misses months a season. Thiago has injury issues. Milner's had about twelve injuries the last two years. Naby's got injury problems. Henderson's injury prone. Oxley Chamberlain's in- injury prone. Curtis, we don't know yet. He's too young to know. Shakiri's had a bunch of injuries. Like, that's Liverpool's midfielders. Hmm. The only one who's not injury-prone is Ginny Wijnaldum. The only one. That's a that's a concern, and he's the one that's leaving. You know, uh, you also factor in that Henderson will turn 31 this season. Mm-hmm. Factor in that Milner is 35. Thiago just turned 31. Fabinho will be 28 later this season. So it's an it's an it's an older group as well. Mm. Now Naby is only 26, so he's still young, but he's he's injury prone. Ox is 28 this year. How I don't know, but I also don't know I how feel, he's up to 28. I feel old now, <laughs> considering he's been around for so long. But you know, Shakiri's 30 this year. You know, and then you look at the the front three as well, like. Um, Mane is 29, just turned. Bobby's 29. Mo is 29 this year. This year, So that's an older group as well. You've got Jota, who's young, and, and Origi, who you don't really want. But it's an older group. And then at mm. the back, Virgil is 30 this year. Matip is 30 this year. That's, you know, again, it's older. Alisson turns 29 this year. So Liverpool do need a refresh for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the midfield is is an area of concern with injuries and and with age for sure. It's a it's a big concern. Yeah. I think I think uh, Jordan Henderson's not going to get more resilient as yeah. he gets older. I mean, groin surgery at thirty as well. It's... Exactly. Yeah, but that, I think that's probably the mi- albeit probably doesn't prove it on the pitch. But that's probably the main reason, if any, to keep Naby. He's he's the youngest one, and he's twenty six, apart from Jones, obviously. That's the thing. That might be it. Just mm. you know, because they're because they're younger. The only reason you might move them on is if you can get a, a more reliable and potentially have, younger player. If you sell him, though, you have to get two midfielders, and we're not doing that. <laughs> probably not doing that. Considering no. the rest we have to do. Um, no. That's that's true. Um, on Leeds, I mean, big result last week, obviously. But as you say, missing missing the captain with suspension. Now Rafinha's probably been top two players for them with Bamford. Um, it 
if they are well, if Rafinha's missing, I mean, what Helder Costa probably coming for him off the top of my head, and then centre backs yeah. Laurent and Robin. I think Robin Cox's back, isn't he? I think Robin Cox yeah. is back. I think he was back on the bench yeah. for the City game. So it's a new look back for, and it's a new look back for yeah. a partnership that hasn't played together before. Mm. Now Laurenti was brilliant against City. We've seen Cox do quite well for them. They could play Struijk. Yeah, they might just play him because he's been playing. He's got mm-hmm. rhythm. They might go back three. You you wouldn't know. Um, yeah, I I would say Rafinha, Bamford, and Phillips have been their three best players. Yeah. Phillips missed a bunch it's of time, but yeah. it's probably their three best players this season. I I would suggest that um, this will be a very difficult game. Like I said, both teams three wins on the bounce. Uh, I am going to let my my bias overtake here, and I'm going to say that Liverpool will win the game. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool win. I think it'll be a tight game, but I think it'll be a very, very entertaining game. Now, I floated this idea yesterday to Carl Matchett. Now, I'm going to share this with the listeners. This is, this is a new tactical concept I've come up with. <laughs> it's mind-blowing stuff, and I think you're all going to want to just take a seat there's going to be university thesis will be writ, written on this idea that I've come up with. Liverpool should score a goal in the first half. I like it. I mean, it's a bold strategy, I know. It's a risk. But if you don't let 45 minutes pass by without scoring a goal, it does give you a better opportunity to score goals in a game and therefore win the game. So I'm going to say that Liverpool should score a goal in the first half and that will set them on the path to victory. I'm going to say Liverpool to win 2-1. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it's the game of the weekend. I think the game tonight should be fun. Newcastle-West Ham tomorrow should be decent enough. Uh, Wolves-Sheffield United might might be one to skip. Um, Arsenal-Fulham will be a good game. United-Burnley might not be. This will be a good game. There's a good game Tuesday, a good game Wednesday. Two good games Wednesday, actually. There's a decent game Thursday. And the next weekend, I think, looks quite fun. I genuinely do think next weekend looks like quite a fun weekend of football. So uh, I'm going to go and um, enjoy my weekend. I'm actually going to go see my family this weekend for the first time since before Christmas. Uh, it, it is, I believe, four months since I've seen them. Um, so that'll be nice. I've seen them maybe three times in the last 12 months. So, you know, actually more. No, I've seen them maybe, maybe three times in since Christmas of last year, not Christmas just gone, the previous Christmas. I think I've seen my family three times. They live less than an hour from me. Uh, but obviously with, with COVID and all this nonsense, it, it, it's been difficult. So that's what I'm going to do. Hopefully you're going to do something fun as well. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Don't be foolish. If you're in a beer garden, sit six feet from the nearest people, please. Don't get us all put back into lockdown. Just don't do it. Uh, thank you to Guy. Thank you to Fox Hunt for the music. See you Monday. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.